The most prominent and unique feature of the Kingdom of Valor as a country was, without a doubt, its proximity to an apparent rift in reality. Many towns in the kingdom's countryside were home to a permanently fixed dimensional portal, which would often be colloquially referred to as the Blur by locals, due to the way the light would diffuse around it. Though the portals were all closed in the days leading up to the February Revolt, their mark was still left on the country. This was particularly in a region known as the Seltzamwald, a large forested area in the middle of the country that was once home to an extremely high concentration of portals. Because of this, it was home to a number of invasive alien species. Valorians avoided the Seltzamwald itself due to its dangerous flora and fauna, but on the forest's outskirts, people learned to live in harmony with it. One such town is Champignon, a picturesque community full of hard-working people, most of them farmers, blacksmiths, and stonemasons. This town is where Colette Guise, daughter of Mr. and Mrs. Axel and Milena Guise of Crystal City, chose to seek her fortune mainly due to the fact that it was the closest town to the convent school she ran away from at age 15. Colette was employed as an apprentice tailor. She suffered from chronic migraines, and February the 19th, 1911, was her 25th birthday. Oh, this would happen right before work. Nanette! In the kitchen, my dear. Nanette Benoit was the landlady of the house in which Colette lived. She was already very old in 1911, and had been suspiciously widowed 20 years previous. Despite this, she was well-liked among the people of Champignon. Her favourite hobby was the creation of dioramas, which depicted historical figures performing sex acts. What's this one? It's one of the many orgies of Julius Caesar. Will you bring me some scraps from work today? Need more fabric for the togas. All right, if Thea doesn't notice that I'm taking them. Nanette, listen... Do you have any more of those pain pills? The ones with cocaine or the ones with laudanum? Laudanum? Cocaine makes my headaches worse. Thanks. Happy Koenigstoder, Stark. And happy birthday. How old are you today, my dear? Twenty-five. Don't sound so resigned. You're still young. My mother was nineteen when she got married. And now she's dead and you're not. That's what marriage will do to you. Trust me, having a husband took decades off my life. And Stefan was a brute, and he never liked my saucy dioramas. Here's to spinsterhood. I have to go to work now, Nanette. Happy Conning Stodestog. See you at the parade later. Thea! Thea! That's it. That's the one. Thea, I've been your apprentice for ten years now. I think I've more than proven to you that I have what it takes to work as a tailor. Are you talking to yourself? You should be in school. It's Sunday. Since it is Koenigstodestag and my birthday, I think I'm especially within my rights to ask you for a favor. A small loan. An investment. Of 200 extra marks. It's going towards rent on my own shop. A small loan of a hundred extra marks. Fifty marks. A <laughs> hundred marks with which to rent my own shop. Today at 3 p.m., the 25th annual victory parade, celebrating the defeat of the monarchy and the triumph of freedom. Fun for the whole family. Attendance is mandatory.
morning, Thea. Happy Konigstodestag. You're ten minutes late. Thea de Barry had been the town of Champignon's only tailor and corseter for 30 years, and in that time she developed quite a complex about it. She ran her small business with the seriousness and severity of someone working in the cutthroat world of Parisian haute couture, and she deeply resented having to make suits and dresses for the unimaginative Valorian proletariat. All of this animosity was, on most days, focused squarely on Colette, her only employee. Yes, and I'm sorry. But it was... uh... Another migraine. They've been getting worse. I'm not your doctor. Why do I need to know about that? Of course. I'll just get right to work on that dress for Mrs. Strauss. Mm, You had better. She came by asking us to put a rush on that. I've got another consultation with Mr. Navarre today, so don't bother me. Got it. your apprentice for a hundred years, so I think I'm especially within my rights to ask you for a favor. A small loan, an investment of ten marks. I said that wrong. While Thea was consulting with Mr. Navarre, who, by the way, was getting a suit made to wear to his brother's second wedding, as the suit he wore to the first one had since been utterly destroyed, Colette started to feel another migraine coming on. Happy birthday, Colette, my best and only employee. (laughs) You can do this, Colette. Power through the pain. Something about this headache, though, was different. It didn't feel like the usual all-over throbbing. It felt more focused on one single spot, like something inside her head was trying to get out. She felt the slick of blood on the side of her head, and when she raised a hand to her temple, she found not just dripping blood, but something hard and inorganic. When she checked in the mirror, she found, under her hair, a most curious hard protrusion of a most curious blue colour. Yes, dear listener, though she didn't know it at the time, the Kingmaker Diamond had resurfaced. Holy hell! Colette? Next time you feel like humiliating me in front of a customer, do me a favor and just don't come into work. All this screaming and carrying on and you've only gotten a single row of stitching done, I swear! As Thea berated her, Colette started to notice the diamond in her head getting brighter, as if emitting its own light. She also started to hear a curious hum, and there was a building feeling in the air, like the prelude to a lightning strike. She was so focused on these strange events that she didn't even register what Thea was saying. She barely noticed her boss was there. Until Thea's head exploded. A number of people there at the time reported to local authorities that they had seen a flash of blue light through the window of the tailor shop, followed by a dark-haired girl sprayed with blood running from the scene. These reports were what led to the discovery of Thea de Barry's headless body. Early. Did you get the fabric scraps? I'm gonna be honest with you, Nanette. I'm not doing very well today. You didn't get that loan from Thea? Not exactly. Oh dear. You've got something in your hair. I know! 
Actually, could you have a look at it? You could use the tools from your model making. Nanette proceeded to examine Colette's head with tweezers and a magnifying glass, cross-referencing the diamond with some books on medicine that she just happened to own for fun. This is clearly some kind of magical affliction by the looks of it. If I didn't know any better, I'd say this growth looks like the Kingmaker diamond. That's not possible. The Kingmaker was put in some vault somewhere after the Feverites took over. Right? I wouldn't be so sure. They say it vanished on the very night of the February Revolt, 25 years ago to this day. Oh, quite the surprise birthday present. I would have preferred a new pair of boots, but I guess this is fine. Being able to blow people up with my mind, that's fine. Oh, believe me, I would have killed for that kind of power back when I was married to Stefan. Of course you would have. You'll rest here. Run yourself a bath, maybe. I'm going to market to pick up some eggs. Thanks, Nanette. Once the bath was full, Colette got in and started washing the last of Thea's blood off of herself. After a while, she began to relax, and she took a moment to dunk her head under the water and let the outside world fall away. But when she opened her eyes... Right on schedule. A quarter century to the day. It was Ariadne who was crouched over the bath, grinning. She had not aged a day in 25 years. <gasps> what are you doing in my house? Apologies for my rude entrance, but I wasn't sure how long I had before the old crone came back from the market. No matter. I'll let you make yourself decent before we chat. Are you sitting comfortably? Not really. My name is Ariadne Culver. I was the last Grand Witch of the Kingdom of Valor. And I was the one who did that to you. Well, good. <laughs> I'm glad you found me. Now, undo it. Undo it! Take it out, please! I will offer no resistance. Just take it! <laughs> Not so fast. Not until you agree to do something for me. Do you know how the DeRossier family got a hold of that diamond in the first place? It's from the care site, isn't it? It was, in fact, from the care site. This was the local name for the space on the other side of the Blur, the alien realm that served as home to the good neighbors, as well as the number of species that now also dwelled in the Selt Samwald. Centuries ago, the Normans who settled Valor were on the cusp of war with the neighbors, but when a truce was made, the ruler of the care site, Queen Melisande, gifted Valor's king with a rare and powerful crystal as a symbol of friendship. As long as the Derosier bloodline was in possession of the Kingmaker, they would wield absolute power. And any invading army or burgeoning rebellion would be blown to kingdom come, just like poor old Thea. So, you can imagine why I had to stop the Feverites from getting their hands on it. So you hid it? In me? I fused it to you, seconds after your birth. A living... Lockbox. Always moving, always changing. Impossible to break into. 
But of course, the human body tends to reject foreign objects, and the spell I used to stabilize the fusion was set to wear off in a quarter of a century. So, here you are. It took a lot of research, but I tracked you down. Not a minute too soon, either. Great, great! So, what do I have to do for you to undo the spell? Agree to marry my son. Is that all? That's all. No, there's gotta be a catch. He's unemployed. He killed his first wife. He's got some horrible hereditary condition that he'll pass on to our children. Are you saying you think there's something wrong with my son? No, but it can't be so easy. Well, it is. <clears throat> if you marry him, you'll be set for life. And not only will you have a good husband, but you'll be helping bring Valor back to its former glory. How so? When I was the Grand Witch, I was very committed to the Derosier family. Some would say too committed. The Feverites thought they killed every person of Derosier blood left, but they missed one. My son, Leonid. I've raised him to be perfect king material. There is absolutely nothing wrong with him. All he needs to take his place on the throne is the kingmaker and a queen to bear his children. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I was already in a state when you came here and you are asking quite a lot of me. My request is very simple. Yes or no. That's all I want from you. Yes or no! You've two words to choose from! Just pick one! Do I have to decide right now? Don't I have time to consider? Oh, to hell with it! Guess I'm taking the Kingmaker the hard way. With a sweep of her cape, Ariadne was gone from her spot across the table from Colette and appeared suddenly behind her. Colette could barely react as Ariadne's hand shifted from its natural state to a knife of polished, hardened bone, which she promptly used to try and prize the gem out of Colette's skull. Ah! Hold still. This will hurt quite a bit. But once it's done, you won't feel anything. But then Colette remembered. Nanette's model-making tools were still sitting next to her on the table. She grasped around for a pair of needle-nosed pliers, then swung sharply upwards and... And thanks to her ingenuity, Colette was able to escape. She ran out of the house, down the road, then hopped the fence through a sheep paddock. By the time Ariadne had regained her senses, Colette had vanished into the Seltzamwald. I'll move to another town, bleach my hair, change my name. Ah! Stupid walking plants! 
Meanwhile, Ariadne returned to Crystal City to prepare a spell to heal her eye. When she entered the apartment she shared with her son, she found him midway through preparing an intricate model train set. Finally finished. Now I can destroy it! <laughs> Leonid was nearly 30, and despite his mother's assertions, there was something very wrong with him. <laughs> honey. No starting fires in the house. You're stifling my self-expression. So, where's my wife? God, mother, you didn't kill her, did you? No, sweetheart, no. Of course not. I may have tried just a little bit, but... <laughs> Leo? Leo, stop throwing your train set. Sweetie, stop. You are such an embarrassment. She was taking too long to think it over. And then when I tried to take the Kingmaker, she took my eye out and ran into the Seltzim vault. While they argued, Ariadne busied herself with her altar, making a healing spell. Though she could not regrow her eye, flesh can no longer be controlled by a flesh crafter once it had been severed and killed, the wound healed, leaving smooth skin where the eye once was. You're an idiot! This is why I'm going to be the king, not you. The only solutions you ever think to try involve maiming and killing. <laughs> My wife is gonna die in the woods and it's your fault! Oh, there, there. If that happens, all there will be to do will be to find her corpse and dislodge the diamond manually. That's barbaric! One must sometimes be barbaric in this world. You need to learn that if you want to be a great king. And you will be, one day. Once we have the diamond, you can have your pick of women. You say that, but no girl will ever be good enough for me according to you. Need I remind you that you turned my last girlfriend into a footstool? You were younger then. It was a one-off. I promise I'll respect your choices in the future. You have my word as a witch. Colette was a bad choice anyway. She's Catholic. Trust me, I know the perils of the Seltzum Vault. She won't last the day. Colette, meanwhile, continued to trudge through the Seltzum Vault, past ambulant trees, gigantic moths, winged deer and luminous flowers, following the stream to its source. She paused for a moment to drink. I ought to pause for a moment to drink. Doing this proved to be a mistake. Facing Colette from the opposite side of the creek was a creature, green in colour, standing about six feet at the shoulder, with dripping canine jaws and the long, sharp forelimbs of a praying mantis. This creature, the mantelope, was far and away the greatest apex predator of the Seltzamwald. This would be a great time for the blue light to come back and give me some magical assistance. Come on! Defense! Force field! Invisibility! Head exploding ray! Colette ran as fast as she could, trying to lose the beast by swerving in a zigzag pattern, but it was no use. The distance between her and the creature closed, and with its long hooked claw, it reached out and grabbed her by the waist. Ah! 
But just as it was about to bite her in half, Oi, ugly. it was distracted by a wrench to the head, followed by a shotgun blast. Then Colette, understandably after so much excitement in such a short period, fell unconscious. No, no, my aim is perfect. Are you sure you don't just need glasses in your old age? Wish to yourself. You're older than me. <laughs> if you want to be a scientist about it, maybe. Ugh. Who... who are you? Ah, uh, she's awake. Just in time to enjoy some fresh mantelope scallopini. <laughs> Quick, before he eats it all. Oi. It smells good. <laughs> I didn't know you could eat mantelope. Normally it's the other way around. <laughs> oh, you can eat anything if you know the right way to cook it. Now, I suppose an introduction is in order. My name is Telesphore Winterlich, and this charming older gentleman to my left is Eisen Eyer. I'm Colette. Colette Geis. Enchanté, my dear. Your eyes are a fascinating color, if you don't mind me saying. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> Is Telsey your first, then? My first what? One of your good neighbors from the care site. Winterlich, the next important player in this history, was a former cook at Crystal Castle in the employ of the De Rosier family. Though he had the appearance of a tall, stout gentleman in his early thirties, he had been living and working in Valor for a very long time. Ah, but don't worry about him. He's a sweetheart. <laughs> uh, most of the time. What are you doing in Seltzermold without a weapon? I suppose I could ask you the same thing. Stopping for a quick break on our way to Hundekopf before our next business meeting. See your van. Oh, wow! Is that motorized? Aye. No horses. Nice! We're a mobile operation. Winterlich and Eyre General Services. Eyre and Winterlich. Some people call us thieves and smugglers, but we prefer to think of it as keeping the free market alive in these uncertain economic times. Say, Colette, what's that thing on your head? Ah, uh, new trend in ladies' headwear? <laughs> it looks remarkably like the Kingmaker Diamond. Weren't we just saying that, Eisen? <laughs> You'd think that, but... <laughs> oh, relax, relax. God... Don't you think if we wanted to steal it, we would have taken it out while you were knocked out? I'd have let you if I wasn't fairly certain it'd kill me. So, why the hell is it in your skull? Long story. Hey, you could undo it, right? Me? I mean, you're a neighbor, your people have magic. Can't you just make it so that the diamond isn't in my skull anymore? Oh, it's really not as dramatic as all that. Caresite magic is ambient. It's a reflex more than anything. We affect the world around us in very subtle ways, denting the rules rather than outright breaking them. Something as complex as a spell on you is firmly in the realm of earth magic. I'm guessing a human mage did this to you? Yes. Well, then a human mage has to undo it. Luckily for you, I happen to know one. Go on, Eisen. Have at her. You're kidding, right? Do you see any other mages at this campsite? Aye, but I'm an artificer, as in artificial. Man-made. 
inanimate. Like a crystal? But that crystal's attached to a pretty major organ there, big guy. I mean, would you ask a mechanic to take shrapnel out of someone's heart just because it's metal? Look, lady, you're in need of a flesh crafter, and quite a high-level one too. This degree of fusion takes real practice. Who did you say did this to you? I didn't. Oh, well, help me out here. Do you know who it was? Magic's personal. You've got to know a little about the caster to figure out how to counteract their spells. Um, it was Ariadne something. She said she used to be an advisor to the royal family. Ariadne Culver? That's the one. <sighs> Alright, you're screwed. You're never going to get that thing out your head. Love the optimism, darling. Ho ho ho, I'm serious. Ariadne Culver is one of the best flesh crafters out there. Her work is on a completely different level. Transmutation, transformation, healing, blood work, it's the whole nine yards. The woman's a prodigy when it comes to the human body. You talk about her like you know her. Aye, by reputation mostly. That and the fact that she killed my parents. Believe me. Nobody in the field even comes close to her. Except... No. No way. Except? Oh, it's a long shot, but we do know another fleshcrafter. We are not taking her to see Jenny. Why not? Because, in case you forgot, Jenny lives clear on the other side of the country, way out of our route, and two men in our position cannot be driving around Valor with someone who's very likely being tailed by Ariadne, melt your face off, Culver. Come on, I'm really desperate here. Hmm, maybe you're right, Eisen. Perhaps we should just drop her back home. No, no, Ariadne knows where I live. I can't go back. Plus, I blew up my boss. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get done for murder. You blew up your boss. It's a long story. Well, there you go. If you can blow people up, you don't need our help. Wait! If you can get this thing out of my skull, I'll let you keep it. You guys are smugglers, right? Well, imagine the money you could get on the black market for the long-lost crown jewel of the Derossier fortune. She's got a point. Yeah, if she captures me and kills me, you'll never get it. Come on, what do you say? Do we have a deal? I see no harm in taking on a temporary third partner. You'd better not get in the way of our business, though. I promise I won't. You won't even know I'm here. Alright, fine. Pleasure doing business with you, Miss Guys. Well, uh, we might as well get packed up before it gets dark. These woods get even weirder after sunset. Make yourself useful and help us put out the fire, and pack all this up. Pleased with herself, Colette got up and began aiding Aizen with packing up the campsite. Telesphore, meanwhile, had vanished from the spot while the two of them weren't looking. Show off! All of the good neighbours have the ability to teleport when not in another person's line of sight. It's widely regarded as one of their more obnoxious magical abilities. You'll get used to him. They packed up the campsite and loaded it into the back of the van, which was the boxy, wooden sort of motorised vehicle 
that was increasingly being used to transport goods in the early part of the century. The van was black lacquered, with the words Winterlich and Ayer General Services. Winterlich, change the names back! With the words Ayer and Winterlich General Services painted on the side. <laughs> oh, sorry, I couldn't resist. We've been over this. It reads better in alphabetical order. I know, I know. With the looming threat of Ariadne behind her for the time being, and two career criminals now offering her assistance, Colette got into the back of the van. Telesvor drove off, leaving the Seltzamwald and heading down the dirt road back towards civilization. This episode of Kingmaker was written and audio engineered by Meg Malloy Tutin, with executive production by Henry Galley. Our music comes courtesy of Vivek Abhishek. This episode featured in order of appearance, David Alt as the historian, Blythe Renee as Colette, Erica Sanderson as Nanette, Meg Malloy Tutin as Thea, Addison Peacock as Ariadne, Zane Schacht as Leonid, Takai Nazir as Eisen, and Josh Rubino as Telesfor, with additional voices by Henry Galley and Jamie Douglas. If you're interested in supporting the show, Please follow Kingmaker Pod on Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram. Or search for Kingmaker Podcast on Facebook and Patreon. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again in two weeks.